Hello everybody, this is Steve Hutto with Harvest Celebration Ministries and Happy New Year to you. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas as well. I'm telling you, 17, 2017 went by so fast and now we're already in, uh, well into January 2018. And I'm excited about all the things that God has in store for His people in 2018. Now, this is not my teaching, but you know, this is one of those first of the year things. So let me just say this. Um, as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus and we get deeper and deeper into the last days, God is calling His people <clears throat> to take a stand for Him, to stand up, to go deeper in Him, and to, um, to stand against the way the world is going today. I mean, it doesn't take much to see that things are changing rapidly and the world is getting more and more bold about its position against Jesus Christ and His people. It doesn't mean that we should be afraid, and it doesn't mean that, that we're in total danger or anything like now. It means, though, that it's time to stand up. You know, there's a scripture in uh, Luke ten nineteen where Jesus <clears throat> said to His disciples, He said, <clears throat> excuse me, He said, Behold, I give unto you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Think about that scripture. You know, we have authority over the enemy because Jesus has already come like 2,000 years ago, <clears throat> and he's defeated the power of Satan. Yes, there's still sin in the world, and Jesus, in the future, <clears throat> when he returns, he will deal with that. He will eventually eradicate sin from the earth. He will deal with it. But now he has broken the power of sin over us. And even though we still live in this world and in a fleshly body, because we are born of God, uh, the Apostle John says we have overcome the world. And the victory that's overcome the world is the fact that we walk and we live by faith. You cannot live with the flow of the world. You cannot just put, on, put yourself on autopilot or cruise control and just go wherever the world takes you and make a difference for the kingdom of God in these days and times. So I'm encouraging you at the beginning of 2018 to take a stand for Jesus. Commit to going deeper. And I'm going to share a little bit about that in this teaching from a different point of view. But I just want to encourage you uh, as we begin 2018, make a commitment with me you know, to pray more, to set aside a time where it's just you and God and you pour out your heart to God. You share your dreams and visions and you allow him to give you more dreams and visions or extend on your dreams and visions that he's already given you. You know, the scripture says if we delight ourselves in him, that he will give us the desires of our heart. That means that the desires of our heart come from him. What you desire as you delight yourself in him is what he desires. <clears throat> and nothing is more, more fulfilling and more powerful than for my desires to be the very same desires that Jesus has and that he outlines in his word. So again, happy new year to you. Let's expect a great year in 2018. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. God knows what's going to happen. But we know the one who knows, and our lives are in him, hidden in Christ. And so let's expect a great 2018 as we start off the year. I want to share a passage of Scripture with you from John chapter 15, starting with verse 4. 
John 15, 4. You can, you can write this down. I'm going to probably, well, I am. I'm going to read down through verse 8, starting with John 15, 4. These are the words of Jesus. He said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you bear fruit, unless you abide in me, Jesus said. He continues in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who, who, he who abides in me, <clears throat> and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them to the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Now back up in verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. Now I know that you know that when a person is born again, and if you're born again, that Jesus lives in you. But it's really kind of naive to think that just because he lives in you, he's going to do his work in you without you abiding in him or yielding your life to him. You know, that's, there's that scripture in Philippians 1.6 where Paul says, He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And let me just be honest with you, that is not automatic. When you ask Jesus into your heart, he came into your heart because you asked him. He didn't come into your heart without you asking. And he doesn't lead you from that point on into maturity unless you yield to him and you go after him. And so we've kind of taken that out of con context over, over the, the centuries. And, and we say, well, you know, oh, well, you know, Jesus is going to do that good work in me. You know, I'm not perfect and I made a mistake and I fail and we all do. Nobody's condemning anybody for anything. But we, all, we always use that kind of as an, as an excuse to say that, um, well, you know, he's, he, began, he who began a good work in me, he's going to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. But that doesn't happen if you're on cruise control. That doesn't happen if you're flowing with the world. We must understand that. Jesus said here, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. And he will do a work in you. He will do mighty works in you and through you. And he will do great exploits in you and through you as you abide in him. You just can't expect to live any way you want to. And you know, I'm not talking about in blatant sin. I'm talking about not pursuing Jesus. Not abiding in him. You can't expect to live that way and him to complete a good work in you. You know, I'm just going by the Spirit here, but let me turn over to Romans chapter 5. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture Passages of scripture here. But um, Jesus says this, For the death that he died, talking about Jesus, this is in Romans 6.10, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, talking about Jesus, he lives to God. 
And so Paul goes on to say in Romans 6, 11, even so, or in the same way, consider yourselves, just like Jesus, to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. You see, there's another one of those scriptures that we can easily take out of context context and say, well, you know, I'm saved. You know, I know I'm kind of cruising with the world now, and I'm not really going against the flow of the world. And, you know, I'm comfortable. So I'm, I'm not really stirring anything up, but, you know, I'm a good person, and I go to church every Sunday, and I know I'm saved and everything. And so sin's not going to be master over me. For I'm not under law. I'm under grace. We, again, we take that out of context, but the, 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 the context of this is that you don't allow sin to reign in your mortal body and that you stop presenting your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but, but instead you start presenting the members of your body to God as people who are alive from the dead and as instruments of righteousness. Well, how do you do that? You abide in Him. You live for Him. You know, a lot of people say, man, you're going over the top. I mean, that's just plain old fanatical. Yes, it is. It's plain fanatical. You know, a fanatic is a fan. You know, we just had the, uh, several important uh, college football games, some championship, our playoffs, and then the championship. And, and it amazes me how some people dress up for the games and they look like idiots, to be honest with you. But nobody looks at them as an idiot because they just say, well, that's a, that's a diehard Georgia fan or that's a diehard Bama fan. You know, who cares if he takes his shirt off and it's 25 degrees outside and paints his, sh- his, uh, his chest and his back to look like a jersey and, and he gets out there and paints his face two different colors, you know, to, to align with the colors of the college they support. I mean, that's not, that's just a football fan, you know. Sure, they go over the top, but that's what you're supposed to do. But aren't we supposed to do that even more with Jesus? I mean, we live in a world that every day is getting more and more opposed to Jesus in the kingdom of God. So what do we do as those who are citizens of the kingdom of God? Do we just lay low and stay comfortable and and keep the peace and not stir up anything and be sure that we don't say anything that won't offend anybody? I mean, that's what the world's doing with political correctness and such. Or do we just simply, it's not so much in what we say, but it's more in what we do or don't do in our lives and our words become examples of people who have sold out to Jesus. I mean, they've surrendered their lives to Him, and instead of presenting our members to sin as unrighteousness, we we say, man, we're alive from the dead because Jesus rose from the dead and He lives in us, and so we're going to present our members uh, to, to God as instruments of righteousness. And you do, yes, you stick out like a sore sore thumb, but that's what makes the impact. Let me share another couple of scripture with you, and then we'll get back over to John chapter 15, because that's the text, and that's where I want to go back to. But you're probably familiar with this 
uh, two-verse passage from Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present. There's that word again. To present. You know, to go before, to lay yourselves before, to offer yourselves to. To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And then verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The point in this scripture, and the point that I want to make as I use this scripture and its point, (laughs) is that we need to present ourselves to God. Back over in John chapter 15, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. And then we're going to skip on down to the next verse, uh, John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now this is a simple little verse, but it says a lot to us. It doesn't have to be profound. It doesn't have to be supernatural revelation uh, for it to impact our lives. We just need to do what it says. That's, it's that simple. That's what I love about the kingdom of God. You know, too, for too long, we, we're looking for all these deep and, and profound nuggets that, uh, you know, if, if, if the preacher's not throwing them out, they're, they're, they're not preaching the meat of the Word. Well, the reason most people aren't getting nuggets, deep and profound nuggets from the Word, is because they're not feeding on what the preacher's been preaching anyway. <laughs> you got to feed on the Word of God, and your appetite increases, and you put the draw on the anointing on the man of God or the woman of God, and then that anointing flows as well. But Jesus said this, very simple. He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If we could just get that straight, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. Jesus is the vine, I am a branch. If we could get that that little order straight, if we could get the priority straight, He is the vine, I am the branch. You know, in this part of the world, you could look at it like this. Jesus is the trunk of the tree. He's the tree. And I am a, I am a limb on the tree. You see, I need to understand that if I try to do everything under my own power without submitting myself to Jesus, I'm like a branch trying to do the impossible, because it is impossible, disconnected from Jesus. If I'm not submitted to Him, if I'm not abiding in Him, I'm not hearing His Word, He's not abiding in me in that sense, and therefore I'm just like a tree that's cut off from the branch laying on the ground, and I will not bear fruit. So He's saying, let's get this straight before I go any further, fellas, to His disciples. I'm the vine, me vine, you branch. Comprehend that? Me vine, you the branches. Well, Jesus didn't speak like that, but you get the point. When we understand that, then we understand that we must abide in the vine. We must abide in the tree. And when we abide in the tree, He abides in us. Now think about a natural branch that's connected to a tree. 
as long as that branch is connected to the tree, the life of that tree flows into the branch. The water flows into the branch. The nutrients that the tree gets from the roots out of the ground flows up into the tree, out into the branches. The result is fruit eventually in the proper time is born. That's the goal of the tree is to bear fruit. Fruit changes lives. Could you imagine an apple tree that never bore apples? Something would be wrong with that. Or could you imagine a limb on an apple tree that never bore apples because it was disconnected? Of course, it wouldn't last very long at all. You can disconnect any, you can cut off any branch from a tree and it starts dying and withering from that point forward until it just, it dies, it's gone. So he's the vine, we're the branches. If I abide in him, he abides in me. To abide in him, now this is, this is where I was going a few minutes ago, it's where I was and I'm going to go back there. To abide in Jesus is to dwell in him. It's to remain in him. To abide in the vine, to abide in Jesus, let me tell you what it's not. It's not a casual relationship with Jesus where whenever you get in trouble, you decide you need to pray to him. It's not one of those relationships where when things are going great, you don't care much about talking to Jesus. You don't care much about going to church or you don't care. But man, when, when the heat starts getting turned up, and I guess in the long run, that's not so bad, but when the heat is turned up, you start crying out to Jesus and, and you really, really aren't serious because the only thing that motivated, motivated you was a little uncomfortableness. So you, you know, you prayed, you know, f- you know, forgive me God for making this mistake or chewing that person out or whatever. But what we need to do is we need to abide in the vine. And that means that you plug into Jesus, so to speak, and you stay there. Here's how that happens. You make a commitment. You say, starting today, or maybe in the morning, depends on what time it is, you know, you're listening to this. I'm going to set aside, aside a time together and I'm going to meet with Jesus. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to study his word. I'm going to read his word and I'm going to rearrange my schedule so that I can put him first in my life. You say, isn't that kind of legalistic? How else are you going to go after Jesus? Are you just going to say, Jesus, I'm coming after you and never do anything? No. What you have to do is you have to do something. And to abide in the vine is to go after Jesus, to establish that relationship, to understand what he says on down here. For apart from me, in the last part of verse 5, you can do nothing. That goes back to Philippians 1, 6, where it says, For he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not going to do that good work in you if you don't surrender yourself to him. Can I just be quite honest? We need to wake up, church. See, he's not going to do that good work in you if I never present myself to him as one that's alive from the dead, if I never pray to him, if I never study his word, if I never fellowship with his people, how is he going to do a good work in me? He's just not going to do it because he's in there. I'm not saying he's not in there, and I'm not saying you're not going to heaven, but he's not going to complete that good work in you if you're not presenting yourself to him. It's all about abiding. It's all about surrendering over to Jesus your life so that He can work in you. I can promise you, He will do that good work in you if you surrender yourself to Him, if you present yourself to Him, a living and holy sacrifice. You know, an acceptable to Him. Acceptable means He will work in you. 
You place yourself before Him and you put yourself in a position for Him to work in your life. But the trouble with a lot of Christians in these last days, and I don't mean for this to sound judgmental, but the trouble with a lot of Christians is they're, they're not presenting themselves to Him. They're living their lives, including Jesus in those, those lives, making Him a, a significant piece or slice of their life, but He's not everything. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, in these last days, it's becoming more and more evident. It's always been this way, but it's becoming more and more evident that we need to sell out to Jesus because we are the very ones that help to usher in the return of Jesus. We are the very ones that God uses and will use to be a part of the great harvest in these last days and for the move of God and for the kingdom of God to be established in millions of lives, millions upon millions who need to know Him. You know, times have changed. And uh, we don't live in a Christian culture anymore. We live in a culture that's hostile toward Christianity. But that, that, that means, my friend, that the power upon you and in you is even more available because it's where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So I'm going to skip down to verse 7 now. Jesus said this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. Now that's a pretty, a pretty uh, strong, powerful statement that Jesus made. But here's the key. Did you catch the key? The key is, uh, there it is again, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Well, listen, what will you ask? He said, ask whatever you wish. Wow, man, can I ask for four or five mansions? You know, just because I'm abiding in Him and His Word abides in me, it doesn't work that way. What happens is when you abide in Jesus and you begin to study His Word and you fellowship with Him, you pray His Word and you speak His Word over your family and your own, and your, li- your own life and your job, your ministry, what have you. When you begin to abide in Him and his, He abides in us and His Word abides in us, again, his desires become our desires, and the thing you, the things that you pray come in line with His will. They come in line with the precepts and the principle of the kingdom of the principles, excuse me, of the kingdom of God. You see, we've taken that like it's a a, a bottle with a genie in it, you know, or or yeah, genie in a bottle or something like that, and it's like, ooh, whatever I wish, huh? Let me rub this bottle and get let the genie come out and tell him whatever I want. But see, it's, it's not like that. It's when you abide in Him and His words abide in you, you start talking like Him. You start praying like Him. You start speaking like Him. And the things that you desire are the things that He desires. It's very, very powerful, though. There's nothing more exciting and more fulfilling than being in line with the Creator of the universe, knowing that you're on His team, that you're vital to His team, and He's using you as an instrument of righteousness. Man, I'm telling you, that's exciting. So, and He goes on to say this, and we're still talking about abiding in the vine, abiding in Jesus, He in us, abiding in Him, His words abide in us. And then in verse 8, He says this. He says, By this, my Father is glorified. Or He's saying, This is what my my Father is glorified by. This is how my Father is glorified, disciples. 
and he's saying that to you and me, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This is how God is going. How do you want to glorify God? Let me tell you how you can glorify God. Bear fruit. Because when you bear fruit, you prove to be his disciple. You prove to be his pupil, his, his uh, follower. You know, disciples are called followers of Jesus, followers of Christ. Same as a Christian, same as a born-again person. But really, a born-again person is a person who's been converted it doesn't necessarily mean they're a follower of Jesus because at some point after being converted, uh, genuinely being saved, you need to make a commitment. Someone needs to lead you to make a commitment, not to be saved all over again, but a commitment to follow after Jesus and become his disciple. A lot of people are led to Jesus, but they're never told that you have to go beyond that. And perhaps like me, you find out later in life that there's a whole lot more to just being saved and not going to hell and going to heaven. But we are also saved because other people need to be saved on this earth. And the life that I live for Jesus radically on this earth is what causes other people to see that there is a real Jesus. He said, by this, by, by, by the fact that you bear much fruit, my Father is glorified and you so prove to be my disciples. Now let me close with this. Bearing fruit... What does it mean to, to bear fruit? You know, I mean, the Bible talks a lot about bearing fruit. The Bible uses examples uh, of agriculture, uh, sowing and reaping, sowing, planting, and uh, seed time, harvest, you know, different, different uh, perspectives of what it is to bear fruit. But you can always remember this, that the goal of any plant, the goal of any sowing and reaping process is fruit. Fruit. You sow a seed because at some point you want to harvest fruit. Or you sow a seed because at some point you want there to be a tangible harvest. It's the same thing with the Word of God and with the Kingdom of God. Now, we're not going to go into the technical part of it now, but it's like this. To bear fruit, very simply stated, is to grow up in Jesus. To bear fruit, let's break it down a little bit more, is to grow in Jesus. Maturity at whatever level, as long as it's progress throughout the journey of our walk with Jesus in this life, maturity at whatever level is a form of fruit. And remember that maturity or fruit is what impacts other people. No fruit, Nobody knows you're a Christian. You know what? There's a lot of people, and I might be one of them, that could walk out into a, 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 an orchard and not know what kind of a tree it is. And if there's no fruit on that tree, I probably couldn't tell you. I might be able to narrow it down to maybe apples, maybe pears. You know, I do kind of recognize peaches being from Georgia and stuff like that. But listen, friend, when the fruit's on the tree, there is no denying <laughs> what kind of fruit that is, and therefore what kind of tree that is. But see, we have a problem in the body of Christ with people maybe saying they're Christians or people see them go to church or they talk about going to church, but there's no fruit in their lives. That means they're not maturing because fruit is maturity and maturity is fruit. And fruit is what makes an impact. Maturity, growing in Christ, is what not only changes your life and my life, but it changes the lives of those around you.
because they see something changing. They see something maturing. I hope you can understand that. It's really, really very simple. So that's why Jesus and God, the Father, is glorified. That's why you prove to be his disciples. Disciples, my friend, are different. We're all called to be disciples because Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. He said in Mark to go into the world and preach the gospel to every nation. So we're all disciples. And it's more than just winning souls. It's also making disciples. That's a whole other teaching, and I won't go into that. But to make disciples means you make mature people, which bear fruit, who are people that change the world and change lives. They may change their family. They may change their place of business. They may impact uh, their city. They may impact nations. But the bottom line is, whatever level we're called on and that we're serving on, we impact people when we bear fruit. So let me close with this. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, he said, then you're going to bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Back in verse 5, this is one of my favorite scriptures. He said, remember, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Me the vine, you the branches. He who abides in me, the vine, Jesus, and I in him. So if you, if, you, if you draw close to Jesus, if you abide in him, then that life flow comes into you. He abides in you. James said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The result is you bear much fruit. But then he said, from apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to remember that. We need to remember that if we're not abiding in Jesus and we're trying to serve God in some way or even serve in ministry, we're not bearing a whole bunch of fruit and we're not making a whole, a, a whole lot of impact. But if we're abiding in Him and seeking Him daily and throughout the day and, and, and just understanding and, and, and telling Him even that we need Him so desperately, then we are going to grow and we're going to bear fruit. I hope this is an encouragement to you again in, in, in 2018. Join with me in making that commitment to abide in Him so that He will abide in us. We'll go to the next level, man, and I'm telling you, we'll bear fruit, we'll grow, we'll take a stand. I mean, you know what? The world should mean less and less to us. You know, we got all this football and Super Bowl and stuff coming up and going on and World Series and you name it, Olympics coming up, and it's, you know, it's kind of neat to have your favorite team, but that all pales in comparison to the importance of Jesus and to, and to what He's doing in our world right now. Get a clue, my friend. Get fired up for Jesus. God bless you. Thank you so much for logging on. This is Steve Hutto with Harvest Celebration Ministries. God bless you. Have a great day.